Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic podcast. My name is Daniel Caw, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Record Sports Michael Gannon and Liam Bryce. Guys, how are you? Oh, good, mate. Good, thank you. That's yeah, it. not bad, not bad. Surviving. I can't imagine two other gentlemen I'd like to spend my lunchtime with more. Um, and I think we've got plenty to talk about in this week's podcast. Um, best place to start, I think, is obviously Monday's game, uh, Celtic against Hibs. Um, I thought it was a really good game, generally. But I thought Michael Rio Hitati stood out like a sore thumb. I thought he looked absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I mean, it was a pretty... Um... Pretty impressive, especially the first half performance. I thought he looked he really looked apart, didn't he? I think he really kind of excited the supporters. He just seemed to be a, a step ahead of everyone, didn't he? On the, on the ball, his movement, his touch, his passing. Um, he looks like a real find. I think you've got to be careful. He's only played, I mean, that was probably I got an hour out of him before he kind of uh, ran out of steam, which is expected. Um, so, but as, in terms of first impressions, he couldn't do much better. Um, you, you've got to give him a bit of chance to kind of settle in a bit as well. I mean, it might be, um, might take a few weeks, but on the, on the first evidence, it does suggest that Celtic have managed to do a great bit of business. I mean, what was it, one point four million pound? Um, it really looks apart. Um, what surprises me is the fact he's only he's only got well, like two caps for for Japan. What, what kind of tide of Japan? What, like now, I mean, these this guy's are an outside bet for the Qatar World Cup here or something. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, but no, it definitely looks apart. It's a great start. Um, it's well like to maintain it, but it's um, certainly off to the, a flyer. I know. I think I think Kyogo's only got something like you know seven caps or something as well. It's it's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, but as well, it's worth mentioning. Obviously, uh, Liam Dyson Maida um, got off to a flyer as well. Scored four minutes in his debut. Yeah. Um, uh, it was nicer. Um, it was nicer the Hibs defence just to stand aside and let him score. <laughs> uh, just a couple of minutes into his debut, uh, he said he was a wee bit nervous beforehand. So it was it was obviously very kind of him. Uh, to just part ways and let him score, uh, but no, uh, like obviously it's ideal for him, isn't it? It's uh, exactly what you want. Come to a new club, uh, new country, um, and as Mick says, you know you've got to give these guys a wee bit of time to settle. Uh, but in terms of first impressions, you know it was it's exactly you know what you Celtic fans would have been wanting to see. Uh, made that he's you know he's you can see he's lightning quick. Um, Busy, he's around kind of in people's faces, and he's he's the you know he's the kind of it's that kind of pace that it just it puts the it puts the fear of God and the defenders, um, and as well just coming back to Hatati, it was you know he was he was so impressive, uh, you know Maida was good I thought, um, but Hatati just you know he stole he completely stole the show even though it was Maida that scored. It was right. What impressed me particularly about him was you know it was just the pace that he played at. Um, he seemed to be one. As Mike said, a step ahead of everybody, but he was seemed to be doing everything just that bit quicker than everybody else on the park as well. Uh, obviously, maybe it told after the, the hour mark when he did, you know, he did sort of uh, burn out a wee bit. Um, but you know, it was like first time passes, playing passes with pace, you know, wrapping passes into people, uh, could pass the guys like they weren't there at times. Uh, so it was an, an enjoyable game, you know, it kind of died to death a wee bit after. Uh, after the hour mark in general, I thought, but you know, it was it was a you know obviously good to have the fans back in the stadium as well, and you, you could clearly tell that they enjoyed it. Mick, before or sorry, after the game, uh, Ange Postecoglou admitted that before Christmas, um, Celtic were running on fumes, you know, down to the bare bones in terms of the squad. Now all of a sudden, with the new signings, um, 
they'll, they've got a lot more strength. And even on Monday, it was the lesser spotted um, Jackie Marcus even come off the bench for a for a, a rare outing. If everyone's fit, where, where do you see, you know, for instance, Mida fitting in with Jota, Kyogo, Forrest? It's quite interesting. It is, yeah. I think I think actually on on Monday for the first time, maybe even this season, the the, the bench looked fairly strong. Um, I don't think you could say that a lot of times in the first half of the season. I think they looked a bit weak on numbers and options, but all of a sudden he has got options now, Postacoglu. Um, I, I think the way that he plays, he's going to need to have up, uh, different bodies in the forward areas because of this kind of high-pressing, high-intensity game. You can tell, we've seen it in stages early in the season as well, that the front men do get tired because they're running their legs off themselves for an hour. Um, it's just the way they play. But whereas in the in past, when these guys are out of steam, there was not really the, the reinforcements to replace them. And now you seem to have guys that can come on the park and, and not weaken the team too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought um, Jack and Marcus looked quite good when he came on. Aye, uh, he said that he's had a pretty much a rotten start to his time at Celtic. Jack and Marcus, I mean, he's uh, the delay over the signing, the COVID, he gets injured the warm up, missed a penalty, didn't he, as well. Um, it's been a pretty wretched kind of first kind of few months for him, but um, maybe the mental break was a bit of a kind of fresh start. He had a bit of surgery in it as well and clean up um, his knee. So it's a fresh start. He looked he looked kind of hungry, didn't he? Come on, he looked, he looked keen to make an impression. So that may be another option. He's, he's something different to what they've got. I mean, you think you think Kyogo will still be the main man? Uh, Jota in there as well. Maida might be the one that he kind of rotates with. Uh, there are times when they might play them both together because Kyogo can play across the front line, as can Maida. As can Hatati. I mean, Hatati was a forward, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Before he can end up um, in midfield and he played fullback as well. He played everywhere. Um, he looks kind of natural in the middle of the park, I thought, though. He, he was kind of dropping his shoulder and had to take the ball in the half turn. Yeah. Um, he didn't look like a utility player. He looked like a, an out and out centre midfielder. I, I, I hear kind of Celtic utility player. I think guys like kind of Mike Galloway. I don't think he's. he's <laughs> Mike, big Mike Galloway had these qualities, but I don't think he's a similar kind of player to Hattie. I didn't see him drop the shoulder and take the ball in the half turn that many times. Um, he went from outside right to centre half at one point, I think, didn't he? Um, but yeah, I thought a lot, a lot of positives. Um, I think having bodies on board and 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 an ability to mix things up and give and take guys off when they're running at a steam link, that's gonna be a big part for Celtic in the next next few weeks. It's a real, a real hectic spell um from now, pretty much now to the end of the season, really. It's gonna be hell for leather. So they'll need all these bodies. And I think it's not a case of who plays alongside whom, it's I think it's a case of everyone playing a part. It's obviously worth mentioning that. Rangers drop points uh, at Petardry on Tuesday night in the 1-1 draw with Aberdeen. It means that the gap at the top of the Premiership is, is down to four points. Um, Liam, I couldn't be more... I can't remember being more excited for a, a Celtic Rangers game than this one coming up. I think it's got the makings of an absolute classic. It does. It really does. Um, and just in terms of, you know, it's, it's importance as well. Uh, obviously, I think it's, you know, it's, the differences between... Obviously, you did the first game at Ibrox earlier on in the season. Um, but, you know, since then, Rangers, new manager under Van Bronckhorst and Celtic are, you know, a much improved side since then. Uh, obviously, up until the the game at Petaudry, you know, Rangers were in a really good run of form. Um, so you'd think, you know, it's, it's going to be two sides going into it. And, and decent form still, um, unless, you know, unless, you know, you know Rangers are... Uh, 
you know, not going to pick up where they left off before the winter break. So, aye, in terms of, you know, the, the importance to the, the title race as well, I think, you know, it's, it's obviously important, but there'll be, you know, there's so many games still to go. Uh, there'll be twists and turns here and there. Both teams will drop points. I think that's um, that's a given. Um, and obviously the midweek element adds a, it just adds a kind of, an extra layer of intrigue to it as well, just something a bit different under the lights. Um, but aye, it's the one everybody's looking forward to, isn't it? What, what, what do you think, Mick? It, it definitely is the makings of an absolute cracker. It, it's the one everyone's looking forward to, apart from the two clubs involved in the game. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, right enough. It's, it's, it's an absolute headache for both teams now. I think with the, with the kind of, um, I think Rangers fans are going to laugh at Celtic's expense, you know, Celtic are scared because of the prospect of losing Kyogo and Rogic, maybe Hitati as well for that game with international duty. But all of a sudden, that's flipped because now Rangers could be without Alfredo Morelos. It looks like Joe Rebo will still be in action at the African Cup of Nations. They look pretty strong, don't they, Nigeria? Yeah. Um, Kamar Roof could be away with Jamaica. Uh, Sands with the USA. All of a sudden, Rangers are going without some key men for that, that match. So both sides, this could be... If the game does go ahead, because, I mean, now there's now options for both clubs to call it off if they want to ask to, to get that done well or they get granted or not we'll have to wait and see um, but both of them have the option of, of doing that and asking for it um, if not if it does take, take place in February the 2nd as planned it then becomes on becomes a case of who's got the better squad who mm-hmm. has got the better backup backups to compete because if you, I mean take out Morelos and Aribo from that Rangers team it's big lo- they're big losses Kyogo and Rogic main men first half of the season um, but now it comes down. We come down to who's got the better backups, and you think Celtic brought in. They've got Maida, still got Jota, um, those guys at Forest and that kind of stuff. The Rangers backups. Who do they play up front if if their two main strikers are away? They've got Eaton back, mm-hmm. Sakala. So it's a case of uh, who's got the better fringe men. I think for this one, it could be who's got the better squads. If that, if it does go ahead, um. So that that's another layer of intrigue. It's um, we'll see who's got the, the more strength and depth. Just before the the festive break, I kind of I'm happy to admit that I thought six points was probably just a step too far. I know there's so long to go in the title race, but I just thought it was a, a touch too big a gap for Celtic to overcome. But Liam, looking at it now, if Celtic win in the second of February, I, you'd, you'd have to fancy them to go on and and, and probably win the Premiership. Yeah, well, I don't know. I don't. I mean, I, I don't think uh, you know six points. It's, it's we've seen how quickly um, you know that can be you know eaten into. Um, so I, I don't think there was, a, to be honest, it was a, looking as if it was you know too far beyond Celtic. Especially you know, Rangers were on a, a really good run at that point, but you know these runs always come to an end at some point. So they were always going to drop points, Rangers. Uh, and you know you had to look at the the game at Petardry coming back straight off the winter break, a, a hard one at the best of times. Um, and you'd think if there were somewhere Rangers were going to drop points, you know, you could have fancied that it might have been that. Especially you know, Aberdeen had a really good game at them uh, against them. Sorry, uh, the last time out at Ibrox. So I mean, it's it's I if you t- if Celtic if, if Celtic win if the game goes ahead if. Um, on February second, then you know the momentum would be with them. But I just, you know, hesitate to make any, <laughs> any, you know, any calls about who's favourites and who's, you know, 
falling behind when it's it is so close. I, I don't think six points tonight, even less so now four. Uh, it's it's just too tight to call still. I really do. Aye. I think that's probably fair when you take it into account as well. They've still to play each other three times. Yeah, exactly. Um, but Mick, if considering some of the hurdles that Postacoglu had to contend with when he first arrived, um, and the kind of as we as we've said, the threadbare squad that he had, if if they can get that down to one point at the start of February, you know he would have taken that all day. No, I think I think you're right, but. I also think that they still have to get past. They've got Tyne Castle next week. So they've got Tyne Castle next Wednesday night. Aye. But uh, I was there um, on Tuesday. Watched Hearts against St Johnson. Hearts still looking really, really good. I mean, they've had a, they had a great first half of the season. They're a wee bit of a blip uh, in December, but they they look really, they look really strong. Hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's that is a treacherous tie through there at Tyne Castle. A bit of alliteration there. <laughs> <laughs> It's comes natural. Um, but I think St. Brings are at home to Livingston next Wednesday. Uh, you, you expect them to maybe get three points at home to, to Livy. So it, there's, a, there's more to be done before they get to that game. So it's all right saying that the gap could be one point, but they, that, that, that's no guarantees even to get to that stage because that's a big game on Wednesday night. Not disrespecting Aloha, of course, the weekend in the, <laughs> in the Scottish Cup. So I, I think I think Celtic need to get through Tynecastle. And that's supposed to be the lost first game of the season. A real, real tough test before they even get to the, the thinking about that kind of game. I think there's twists and turns to come. I think there will be every time there's points dropped, it's a crisis at one one club and it's a success at the other. Okay, so we we've talked a lot about um, the the signings that Celtic have made so far. Obviously, the three Japanese boys, but Liam, one of the biggest red stories on Record Sport Online on Wednesday was the the breaking news that Matt O'Reilly of MK Dons appears to be closing in on a £1.5 million move to Celtic. 21 years old, England Youth International. Obviously, we we you know we don't watch a lot of MK Dons games, but, but by all accounts, a, a really exciting talent. Yeah, it was one of those ones that kind of came out of the blue a wee bit. I think after um, Ange Postacoglu's press conference last week, you know, where he kind of just, you know, <laughs> he shut down a lot of speculation and he kind of sort of gave the impression that there was nothing else in the and there was no more irons in the fire. Um, obviously, you've got to take that where we pinch of salt as well. And you know, lo and behold, um, this deal for Matt O'Reilly's come out come out of nowhere almost. Um, again, like yourself, I'm not going to sit here and kid on that I'm a, anyway an expert in MK Dons or League One football. But you know, just from reading about him and watching a wee bit, you know, it's it's um, you know, it's clear as a, as a youth player. Um, coming through at Fulham, um, that he was very highly rated. Uh, they had high hopes for him. Um, I think anybody that you know has read the website or the paper today would have seen the interview with Peter Grant, um, who was you know basically saying that he was kind of troubled with you know kind of persistent back problems, uh, which is obviously you know it's quite a youth player you know, to have that kind of issue at that age is quite worrying. But he seems to have shaken that off and. The impression you got is, you know, now that he's a he's a player that's looking to make up for lost time. Um, in terms of what he's about, you know, he's a he's a big lad, um, he's over six feet, left footed, um, and he seems to be in the form of his life out there. Out there, sorry, down there, <laughs> the road in Milton Keynes. Um, but seven goals um, from midfield shows he's got a threat. Um, you know, likes a shot. Clearly, um, so I mean, it's, it's another you know addition to midfield. Um, I think I said, I think 
with the podcast, it might have just been before or after Christmas, and we were we were talking about you know what what positions had um, would Celtic be looking at in the window, and um, the, you know there was the obvious there was the obvious ones that we knew that they were kind of looking for more up top. Um, you know, some I think it was Graham Young that was on when we were talking about you know more options maybe at full back. But I did I said if they were maybe being a wee bit greedy. Uh, I can another option further forward in midfield um, mm. would would do for the team. I, I thought because it, it, before before uh, you know Christmas, um, you know certainly and certainly um, throughout the season before that, you know they had it was David Turnbull and Tom Rogic that were filling those two those two sort of more advanced midfield roles um, with Callum McGregor in behind. You obviously we knew that McGregor can he can step into that role, but I still think he's more the most effective. Sorry. Um, playing just behind is the number six. So now, you know, suddenly you look at that now and, you know, obviously Turnbull's out injured, but, you know, it's, it's not going to be too long before he's back. Uh, Rogic looks as if he's back at top level now. They've got Hatati who came in on uh, Monday and looked incredible, um, as we've discussed. And now if you've got O'Reilly coming into that mix as well, um, Suddenly, it's looking really, really strong in that area of the pitch. Um, from a position where a few months ago I feel like we were sitting here talking, of well, you know, it's, they've got Tumble and Rogic in those advanced mid- midfield positions. But aside from that, you know, what are you, what does Postecoglou really have to work with? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if the, the expected deal is going to be done um, sooner rather than later, and again, as I said, without having <laughs> too much knowledge at MK Dons or League One, it certainly looks as if. Getting a player in form who provides a goal threat, and obviously it's six foot over six feet tall, left footed. Um, it's clearly a, you know a physical presence as well. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that that pans out if, as expected, the, the transfer goes through. Right, we should say at the time that we're recording this, the, the latest story we have on, on Record Sport Online is that I think he's he's had a medical, but there, there was an approach from West Brom that was, um, was thwarted. Uh, the eleventh hour, which given what happened with uh, Riley McGree, you know Celtic, obviously understandably wary of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, just on McGree, actually, Liam, he, he's obviously opted to go to Middlesbrough over Celtic, but given out, given Celtic missed out on him, I, I kind of guess that's why they went for another midfielder. Um, yeah, but do you think that you, would you question his ambition going to Middlesbrough over Celtic? Um. Mate, it's. Uh, I think you know. In terms of you know, it's Middlesbrough. He's not going to be down there. You know, competing for uh, trophies and uh, you know, looking to be playing in European football. Um, but obviously, I think you know the perspective is is different outside of outside of Scotland. Sometimes for the you know for these guys, maybe younger players, where you know every we know you know Celtic. You know that they're a massive club, Celtic and Rangers. Uh, a global appeal. We know what we know what it's like here. For it's a it's a completely different world. You know these guys are you know, play for these clubs are you know they're idolised here. They are their household names all throughout the country. Um, but I, I think it's sometimes you know it's just it's it's different for for guys um, who are not you know from you know from from inside this <laughs> this world um so, so to say I, I don't want to be too harsh on myself he's not showing any ambition but i think for a lot of players especially a sort of younger generation of players worldwide that i think a lot of them feel that england is the is the place to be you know they want to play in the premier league they want to 
Um, they want to be a part of that. And obviously, it's by all intents and purposes, it sounded that you know that, that Middlesbrough were, were offering uh, a financial package that you know that Celtic weren't willing to match. Um, so it's obviously went above their valuation, and Celtic were going to stick to that. And that's you know that's absolutely fair enough. The clubs get a budget that they're working within. They've got their own valuation of players, and it's it's no secret that you know it's it's hard for clubs up here to compete with the money down south. Not just hard; it's impossible most of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think from a certain perspective, um, you know, you could say, well, he could have come up to Scotland and he could be competing for trophies, playing in European football. Um, but at the same time, I think, you know, from guys from the other side of the world, the Premier, the prospect of maybe one day getting to the Premier League um, is a, it's a huge draw for them. Um, so I think, you know, it's Ange Postacoglu, kind of, he summed it up best. I think he was only, he said he was only interested in um, speaking to the guys who, who wanted to play for the club, you know, he wasn't going to try and convince anybody that this was the place to be for them. For him, it's all about, you know, they, they should have that already. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, again, you see how the boy gets on down at Middlesbrough. Um, but it's just, you know, Celtic have moved quickly to to get somebody else in. Um, and I, so I don't think the, the club or the, the fans will lose too much sleep over missing out on him. We've obviously still got um, 10 days or so, 11 days rather, um, before the January transfer window slams shut. Do you think Celtic are, are kind of finished the recruitment if and when O'Reilly gets over the line? The only other area that I can really think of that kind of stands out a little bit that needs strengthening is, is goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. I know you've got Joe Hart, who's I think has been brilliant since he came, but you know, talk that Barkas might go on loan. I know Baines signed a new deal, but he's never really convinced that he could be a, a Celtic number one and mm. if something does happen to her, I imagine, you you know, you want to have confidence in, in your number two. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, possibly. I mean, I think, as I touched on before last week, um, Postacoglu was, you know, he was sort of, you know, saying there was no more, no more deals in the pipeline. Uh, you know, he was kind of annoyed that a lot of the name has been sort of thrown about. Um, so uh, you could say, you know, Barkas, well, you know, we don't need to really go over that again. I think no. uh, his time's up and it has probably been for a wee while. I think it's just a case of him finding the right the right move, um, the right deal that's, that's that works out for, for him and the club. So you could, I think, maybe in, you say, or oh, maybe a, a backup goalie um, or at least a third choice, possibly. Um, but, you know, it was only... It was only a couple of days ago that uh, Postacoglu was talking about uh, Toby Oluwayemi, um, the B team goalkeeper. Uh, he's been brought into the the, the fold, uh, at least in training. Anyway, so I mean, it's obviously he looks like a player that um, you know they've got high hopes for. I think it was uh, exciting oh, nice. was the word that the manager used, uh, and they felt that it was the right time to expose him to the first tournament. So he's, they've got, it's not an urgent position. I don't know if it's one they'll fill between now and the end of this window, but maybe going forward, um, they'll, look to, they'll look to bring somebody in. Mick, Mick just wrapping up the, the, the podcast, um, I think it's worth mentioning that um, Ange Postacoglu this week has confirmed that obviously Lee Griffiths, his time at Celtic's over. I know it's been talked to death, um, you know, everything surrounding Lee Griffiths, but I can't help but feel kind of sad, just almost like a wasted talent, just turned 31. 
you know, what was it four or five years ago, forty odd goals for Celtic? Surely there's a team in the Premiership that would, you know, can do a job for. Well, I mean, I mean, say waste of talent. I mean, this guy it's, it's one of the top twenty top scorers in Celtic history. Incredibly, mm-hmm. he scored a barload, hundred plus goals, been a good servant. Listen, let's be honest. The last couple of years haven't been great for him at Celtic um, for a variety of reasons, problems on and off the field. Um, it's no real surprise to see see that that that, that time as I come to an end. I mean, in theory, when he went on loan in the, in the start of, in the summer, that was it over anyway because his contract was up uh, end of the year. They've taken the, uh, the choice to, to cut it short again in January. Didn't do great at Dundee. Still doesn't look particularly fit just now. There's always going to be a manager who thinks they can they get the best at Lee Griffiths and who thinks they can crack him into shape. Uh, and I hope there is a manager that can do that because he's one of the most talented guys we've seen in Scotland for, for, for years. Um, it's just whether or not he can apply himself. He's 30, 31 now. Um, I don't know. Somebody somebody will, will take a point. I'd imagine he might stay at Dundee. Mm-hmm. Um, he's quite, he's obviously close with um, the manager there. Um, that would make sense. But yeah, it's up to him, really. It's up to Lee. I mean, it should have another two or three years at top level. Um, but who knows? He's, he's, listen, he's had a lot of injury problems as well in, in recent times. You know, his problems that are, are kind of historical problems as well. Um, but you'd like to see him for a last hurrah, wouldn't you, really? But uh, he's, he's not good enough for Celtic right now. And the way Celtic play, I think the right was in the wall when, when, when Postacol came in. And he wants his strikers to be harassing the life out of defenders for 90 minutes. That's not his game. So at that point he was he was done at Celtic Park, uh, I'm afraid. Um, I just like to, hopefully he can he can kick on somewhere else, but it's up to him. He's got to apply himself. No, it was just a few weeks ago, Liam, that he was scoring one of the goals of the season against uh, Aberdeen. That free kick from 35 yards. But I think Mick hits the nail on the head that it's really all about him. If he, it's just how much he wants it. Yeah, I mean, he's still obviously you know you saw that goal. He's still capable of producing these moments. Uh, of quality and you know it's a strange one he's kind of you know as Mick says you, you look at on paper the amount of goals he scored over the years for Celtic and you know you'd look at that and think you know well what a player he must have been for the club and he obviously did have some really good times um, but it's been a kind of gradual a gradual slide towards where he is now where we're at the point of talking of you know is anybody even going to take up the, the option to sign him uh, it looks like all likelihood he might end up at Dundee. Um, but yeah, as he said, he's, the, the, the ability is still there. Uh, there's obviously fitness issues, but, you know, we've been kind of saying the same thing for years. It's, it's just, it's up to Lee Griffiths to, to make of it what he will. Mm-hmm. Um, I watch this space, I suppose, and, and, and I imagine by the time we next speak, it will have been even more drama in the January transfer window. Um, Mick, Liam, it's been a pleasure as always should say for everyone listening you can find us uh, at record on slash sport on twitter obviously on facebook and at daily record under slash sport on instagram as well thanks very much for listening